Thanks for checking out this week's podcast from Center Street Church. We pray it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. So good to see you all here on this September Labor Day long weekend. And I hope you get some good chance to enjoy yourself and God's creation and other people around you this weekend. Uh, I want to say hi to all of you watching online with us this morning. All of you at our Airdrie campus, our South campus, our Northwest campus, and Bridgeland location. And you know what? We love that we are one church with one mission and uh, serving one God, and yet we're in five different locations in order to help people come to know Jesus. That's our mission. We love church the way that we do it here at Center Street. And uh, hello to all of you here at our central campus as well. Now, this weekend, we come to the conclusion of our summer series, where we have been looking at various questions that Jesus asks in the Gospels. And, um, you know, it's really just incredible how many questions Jesus asks, and some questions he just leaves hanging out there, and... um, And people just have to try and discern what he is trying to say to them. And other questions, Jesus explains a little bit more. But um, Jesus is a great question asker. And his questions usually cause us to think a little deeper about life than maybe we're used to. And the question that we're going to look at this morning is the question Jesus asks two individuals. He asks them, what are you seeking Like, what are you seeking after in life? What are you looking for? And um, I want us to pray right now. And then I'm going to read 15 verses or so from Scripture together. I mean, I'll read and follow along. And then we'll get into the sermon. So just stand together with me, would you? And let's just pray. Jesus, we are a people that believe that your word, your written word is powerful because you, Holy Spirit, have inspired it and you make it come into our hearts and our lives and change us. And you whisper to us by your Spirit about things that we need to pay attention to in our lives. And so, Jesus, as we we look at this text this morning, we want to know what you have to say to us here and now today in our lives. And um, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would Just move in this room and be unhindered in this room and remove any distractions so that we would hear you clearly what you want to say to us and then give us the courage, the real courage and strength we need to do what you're asking us to do. Because we want to be people of action that represent you to the world, Jesus. And so speak and just help me get out of the way and and, uh, just help people not to hear things if they're not supposed to hear it this morning from me. But speak through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. And so just remain standing, would you? And follow along in your Bible. We're going to look at John chapter 1, verse 35, or follow along on the device that you have with you or on the screens here. And I'm going to read for us these 15 verses or so. So beginning at verse 35. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And this is John the Baptist not the author of the book of John that we're reading from right here, John the Baptist. John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. 
Jesus turned and saw them following, and he said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. And so they came and saw where he was staying, and, he, and stayed, they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. That was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon here. One of the other two who heard John speak and follow Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will truly see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Please have a seat. It's an amazing passage of scripture here and Jesus' interaction with individuals and we're going to take a little bit more of a look at that in just a little bit. But I have a question that I want to ask you this morning. Have you lately had a moment in your life where you thought in your head or you even spoke out loud, you said, I can't believe this is my life. I can't believe this is my life. Well, I had a moment like that this past summer. You see, the last, uh, each year, the past seven years as a family, we go back to Kelowna area and we go to a Bible camp there, family Bible camp. It's right on the Okanagan Lake in West Bank. And uh, that's just become a tradition for us as a family. And so we were there this last summer, uh, well, this summer, and, uh, and we, I got up early one morning with my son Josiah and a friend of ours and his son, and we were on the lake, Okanagan Lake. It was about 6.30 in the morning and um, having a great time. And, and, um, and I had just finished water skiing, and my son had just finished wakeboarding, and my friend did his thing and his son his thing. And, and do you ever, have you ever just been in a place where you look up you know, and you see around you and you think, wow, this is incredible. I had that. I, I just looked up and looked at the mountains around the lake and the blue sky and the sun. And, and um, the lake was just so perfectly calm and the air was cool and the water warm. I mean, can you, can you imagine that? <laughs> this is before all the smoke rolled into Kelowna. And, um, and I just thought, wow. And... and 
I just said to everybody in the boat, I said, we just have to pray right now. So I just prayed a prayer of gratitude about God's creation that was so amazing and the life that we have and the air that we're breathing. And, and that was my moment. And I was like, I can't believe this is my life. This is awesome. Have you ever had a moment like that? See, if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes too, we, we might say it this way. We might say, I can't believe this is my life. Have you been there too? I can't believe this is my life. Sometimes I can't believe this is my life. Other times I can't believe this is my life. So if you're right now here in this room, which intonation right, would you use to describe where you're at right now? What, what, how would you say that phrase right now? I mean, how did you, and how did you get here to where you're at right now in life? And some of the questions that we just saw in that Alpha video, what's your, what do you, what's your purpose? Where are you headed in life? Where have you come from? What are you doing here? Where are you going to in life? What are you seeking after? What are you seeking? What are you after in life? See, so many times the majority of people don't stop and really reflect on where, where am I right now? Where am I going? Where am I headed? What am I seeking after? So many people don't reflect like that and, and they're not thoughtful about the choices that they make even. Maybe they're not even thoughtful or intentional about the people that they have surrounding them in life that they're living life with. You see, it's the choices that you and I make in life. It's the, it's the decisions that you and I make in life and the people that surround us in life that will have the greatest impact, greatest influence in us as we follow after Jesus. And what I see sometimes is people often moved by external circumstances and external influences in their life. Some people are living their life for their parents, the way that the parents want them to live their life. And, and sometimes some parents are even manipulative of their children in, in making their children live the life that their parents want them to live. For some people, if you'd ask them, what are you, what are you after in life? They'd say, my job. They live to work. Just live to work. Some people live to please their boss. Some people live to please their friends. Some people live to please their kids, make their kids happy. Some people live to please their spouse. Some people live lives that are really directionless, really aimless lives, random lives. What is it that you are seeking after in life? It's a big question. And if I, when I think about our culture and a lot of the people that I have come in contact with, I think one of the biggest questions that people are struggling to answer these days is the, answering the question, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? What am I about? Who am I? The challenge that humans have is discerning the desires that they have within themselves and to be themselves and to be who they want to be. And so many people are on this quest to find out who am I. And unfortunately, the predominant way that people seek to answer this question is really by pushing aside everything that this book stands for. Pushing the Bible aside. Pushing God aside. Pushing aside their friends and family and, and, and people who love them most, as they seek to answer this question for themselves, who am I? They push their family, friends to the side. 
they push aside any principles maybe that are found in our culture that are good and sometimes even they push aside biology and people are on this quest all on their own to find out who they are and to discover themselves. That's what I see. People on this quest all alone, attempting to find out who they are, find their life. And here's the truth, though, for what we seek. You see, what builds and shapes our identity, what builds and shapes the answer to this question, who am I, is the thing that we seek after most. Say it the other way. The thing that we seek after most in life is the thing that will shape and build our identity of who we are as individuals and human beings. And listen to what Jesus has to say about trying to find yourself. Matthew 10, 39, Jesus himself says this. Those who find their life will lose it. Those who find their life will lose it. But those who lose their life for my sake will find it. That's what Jesus says. What is Jesus trying to say here? Jesus is trying to say this, that if you want to find your life, if you really want to find your life, the life that you were meant to live before God, you've got to lose it. Lose it to him. If you on your own, though, you want to construct your own identity, you want to find yourself, you want to live your life based on your purpose, your mission, if you want to live your life guided by whatever influences you choose and you're all on your own trying to find yourself, find your life, you will lose it. This is the catch-22. If you want to find your life on your own, you're going to lose it. You won't discover your life. But Jesus says, if you lose your life to me, if you surrender your life to me, you will find the life that you have always been looking for and longing for. See, in the text we just read, Jesus asks two guys, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? Some translations say, what are you after? Some say, what do you want? This is a good question. As you can see in the text here, these two guys... Andrew and John, these two guys were with John the Baptist. They were followers of John the Baptist. He was their rabbi. And John points out Jesus to them one day and says, look, there's the Lamb of God. And they say to John, John, I'm sorry. See you. (laughs) We're moving on. And so then they were following after Jesus. And in my own mind, my imagination, I kind of wondered about this. I mean, How did they follow after Jesus? Were they doing some sort of like secret service, hiding behind the door and looking and then, you know, following a little bit? Like, were they trying to be secretive in following Jesus or were they just walking after Jesus? But we don't know, but but Jesus senses or maybe he sees that he's being followed. And I just, I love how, how Jesus interacts with them here. He's not subtle at all. Jesus knows there's two people following him, and it's it's like he turns around and just says, what are you guys doing? (laughs) What do you want? What are you seeking after? He just cuts right to the point. What are you seeking? Why are you following me? See, Andrew and John, they knew what they were seeking. They knew what they were after. They knew what they were looking for in life, because here's the thing. They were with John the Baptist because John the Baptist was talking about the Messiah. John the Baptist was the one saying, 
There's someone coming after me who's greater than I am, whose sandals I'm not even fit to untie. I'm just talking about the one who is to come, but there's someone coming who is the Messiah. He's the Lamb of God. He will bring salvation. And when John the Baptist said, there, there's the Lamb of God, they said, we, we have to go follow after Jesus, the Messiah. And so they left. They knew that there was more to life than they were experiencing. They knew that they wanted to experience more to life than they were currently experiencing. And they knew that the Messiah was the one who would come from God. The Messiah was the one who would bring salvation and redemption and make all things new and make them new on the inside out. They knew this about Jesus, the Messiah. And so they left everything behind in order to step into their future to discover the life that they were truly longing for. They knew what they wanted in life. They knew what they were seeking after. So what about you? What are you seeking? What are you after? What are you after? See, maybe you're searching for something and you can't quite put your finger on it. And that's the way that life is sometimes. Where we we sense a longing within us. I was talking to a guy just this last week, couldn't put his finger on it. He sensed a longing within him. He was searching for something within him and he couldn't put words to it. And sometimes life is like that. We can't articulate the deepest longing of our heart in our spirit. And we can't articulate it. We can't put our finger on it. We can't describe it in something. Sometimes life is like that. But if you are trying to find out who you are, if you're trying to find the answer to what you're seeking and you're doing that apart from Jesus Christ, can I just tell you just to stop? Stop doing that and try Jesus. Just for a while, believe that Jesus is the one who offers life and and lose yourself to Jesus. Surrender your life to Jesus in order to find life, fulfillment, peace, hope, all that Jesus wants to bring into your life. If you'd like to talk to Someone after this worship service, come, come down, talk to one of our prayer partners, talk to myself, talk to one of our pastors in the atrium, ministry leaders, we'd love to talk with you about, about you not trying to find your life on your own, but losing your life to Jesus. See, the truth is we need each other as we follow Jesus. We do. That's, that's truth. Sometimes and occasionally, God, by his spirit, will bring direct revelation into a person's mind and to their heart and reveal Jesus to them on the inside, and that happens sometimes. But far more often, what we see is someone introduces someone to Jesus. Someone says, come and find Jesus. Come and see Jesus. Come and see. That's usually what happens. We need each other as we follow Jesus. You see, John was the one John the Baptist who pointed out Jesus to Andrew and, and John. And the first thing Andrew does, the Bible says that right here, the first thing Andrew does is he goes and he gets his brother Simon, Simon Peter, and says, come, you gotta see Jesus. <laughs> we found him. You gotta come and see Jesus. See, we can never underestimate the influence the people around us have on us in our lives as we follow Jesus. We can never underestimate that. We all need people around us. We can't follow Jesus alone. 
I've said this before, there's no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. Maybe you are a lone ranger Christian here today and you're following Jesus. You feel like you're doing that all alone. How is that going for you? Really? How's that going for you? You see, I've never met someone who's following Jesus all alone. They don't have any support, any community around them. And I say, how is that going for you following Jesus alone? I've never had someone say to me, it's going fantastic. I've never heard that from someone. We need one another. We need to be in community. We need a group. We need a tribe. We need whatever you call it. Follow Jesus together. You see in the text here, Andrew and Peter as well, they likely knew Philip. It says in the text that they were all from the same town of Bethsaida. And Philip was then invited to be a part of this group. He goes and gets Nathaniel. And now what we see here is a group of young people committed to following Jesus, committing to seeking after him, and then committed to one another as they follow after Jesus. When I was in university, I, I just knew that I needed some help in following Jesus. I, I knew that I needed some guys around me. And so I invited a couple of guys who then invited a couple more guys. And, um, and what ended up happening was there was about six or seven of us. And uh, we met pretty much every week. And it was really a strange group of, of us because what we would do is we would meet. Uh, I was staying at my parents' place and my parents had a hot tub in the backyard. And so we would all go and sit in the hot tub together um, for sometimes a couple hours. And we would try really hard for our legs not to touch each other, you know, because that's just awkward. And uh, we'd sit in the hot tub there and we'd talk about life, share what was going on in our lives with one another and 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 talk about God with one another. And we'd, you know the biggest size of Slurpee cups that you get at 7-Eleven or Max? Um, that's the size of cup that we had and we would drink Coke floats and root beer floats. That's just what we did. It's weird, I know. And so after we were completely waterlogged in, in this hot tub, we would get out and we would go into our basement and we would pray for each other. And sometimes... You know, one of the guys in our group, we would need to contend in prayer for them and intercede for them. And, and we just have our hands on, on our friend here praying for him. And other times, we would be just lying flat on our face on the floor praying. And sometimes we'd be kneeling and praying for each other. But man, that group helped me through university. I grew I knew Jesus more because I was following Jesus together with them. With them. See, we need other people in our lives. Some people are frustrated, but where they're at in their relationship with the Lord, they're just frustrated. And, and some people are frustrated by the lack of friendship and intimacy that they have with Jesus. Other people are frustrated by just their lack of discipline in their life following Jesus. Others are frustrated with just a sense of lack of power that, that is active in their life by the Holy Spirit. They're frustrated in others that I talk to, some of you. When we talk about how you're following Jesus, I can just see in your eyes a contentment 
can see in your eyes just a joy. I can see in your eyes hope. I can just see on you that you are devoted to Jesus and you're following him. And, and you would say almost every day, I can't believe this is my life that I have with Jesus. When I look at your life, your life just models a deep commitment and devotion to Jesus. And, and, and the way that you steward your time and use the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you and the way that you steward all of your life just reflects it reflects that you know when you follow Jesus. See, those who are frustrated when I talk with them and really just whittle down to what the issue is, what, what's at the heart of the issue here? Usually it's decisions that they have made and the people around them that have influenced their lives to the place that they're at. But here's the good news. Here is the good news. Jesus invites us to follow him. Jesus calls you to follow him. And usually, there's, he does that through someone else. And so someone has said to you, come and see this Jesus. And you know what? God has people in mind for you to journey with. He won't call you and then leave you all on your own. Why would he do that? God has people around you that he wants you to be committed together with in order to follow after him. He has people in your life. He has people in mind for you to help you obey Jesus more than you're obeying him now. People that will build up your faith. People to remind you. Because we need to be reminded so often. People to remind you that you are always, always, always and only a child of God. That is your identity in Christ. God wants you not to journey alone. He wants you to journey with a group of people, a group of friends to follow after him. Because here's the thing, people in your life will give direction to your life. People in your life will direct you. See, we become who God has made us to be and we, we live the life that he intends for us to live, not alone, but by being in relationship and through other people. That's the way God designed the Christian life to live, period. Sometimes we get busy in life. Sometimes we get tired in life. Sometimes priorities change or schedule changes. Sometimes we just get lazy. You need friends around you who will speak forcefully into your life about seeking God first and loving him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. God has placed people in your life to do that. And maybe you don't see them. And my encouragement to you is say, God, open up my eyes to help me see the people that you want me to travel with. Just pray that prayer and then watch. Watch. Watch for what God will do. And then once you see them, commit to each other. Commit to each other. And step out and courage. And you're going to be the have to one, you're, you will have to be the one maybe who will say to one or two or three other people, hey, I want to grow. I want to grow in my relationship with Jesus. I need some people that will help me. Do you want to be my people? And let's, let's travel together. That little but profoundly important step takes courage. <laughs> it does. And be courageous and do that. Because we can't travel alone. Maybe you already have people in your life like this 
Well, my encouragement to you is take the relationship and the conversation to the next level. The next level of authenticity, the next level of speaking truth to one another in love, the next level of listening to God for one another to speak into each other's lives, the next level of even confessing sin to one another. Because the Bible says confess your sin to one another and pray for one another. Why? So that you may be healed. So that you may be healed. Take the level of relationship that you already have to the next level. And that takes courage as well. But if we want to live the life that Jesus has for us and do that in community, this is the way we have to travel, friends. This is the way we have to travel. If you don't find yourself in community right now, you know what? As a church, as pastors and leaders, we can't help you make friends. We can't. You need to discern friendships on your own. But we can help you to be a good friend. And we can help you to lead a group or we can coach you a little bit into creating a form of community around you and friendships or group around you. We can do that. We can train you to be a group leader. We can do that. And at times, we have classes and courses around here. And you can find all of this information on the website. Maybe you want to just take a first step. Go to one of these classes or courses or the Alpha course here. And you know what we find is people that come to these classes end up meeting each other and finding relationship with one another and they stick with one another and that becomes the group they travel with. So my encouragement to you, step out, find a group of people that you want to travel with. You see, what I love about this passage of scripture here is that we see, we just see right here in scripture, a group of people traveling, following Jesus, committed to one another. And what we see as well is that Andrew and Philip were so excited that they had found Jesus that they went and told other people about Jesus. And that's usually how this happens. Just a question for you. Who was the last person that you invited to come and find Jesus? Who's the last person? You just said, hey. I mean, you could say so many things. You might say, hey, you want to come to church with me? Hey, you want me to, you want to talk about Jesus or whatever it would be in your language and the way you would say it so it wouldn't be awkward, you know? But when was the last, who was the last person that you invited? You see what I find, even in my own life, is that after a while, my inviting, whatever it is, just fades. My inviting fades. And you know what? Why wouldn't we, when we have encountered Jesus, be so excited to invite others? I love that we see this in this passage here. Andrew and Philip, it's almost like they were so desperate to invite other people they knew to come find Jesus. It's almost like they're vibrating. You can just see it in the text here. Andrew invites Peter to meet Jesus. And then what happens here is Jesus sees Peter. Jesus says to Peter, I'm going to change your name. Now your name is going to be Cephas, which means rock. What an awesome name. Kind of like the guy Dwayne Johnson, right? The rock. You're going to be rock. And I I wonder sometimes if Andrew thought, hey, Jesus, what about my name? Are you going to have a new name for me? (laughs) Like, what about me? And you know what? What we see in Scripture is Andrew, how his new name is Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter. That's his new name. (laughs) Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter. I mean, Peter gets the rock. Andrew, the brother of the rock. 
But, and I wonder if Andrew's feelings were hurt. Because, you know what, maybe, but his feelings weren't hurt. He was like, I need my brother to find Jesus, and that's all that matters. That's all that matters. What we see here is Philip. I mean, he goes to find Nathaniel, and Nathaniel's sitting underneath this fig tree doing who knows what, but something that happened under that fig tree caused Jesus to see Nathaniel and notice Nathaniel sitting there. And it's almost like Nathaniel doesn't even want to come see Jesus. I mean, Philip is saying, we have found, we have found the one that, that Moses and the law and the prophets are talking about. Come and see. And Nathaniel is just, he just seems apathetic and just sitting there. And, and then he even says, well, what good can come from Nazareth? It's almost like someone saying these days, I mean, what good can come from Ottawa? <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have said that. I should have said Edmonton. What good can come from Edmonton? We could rewind the feed here. There should be a little ticker. These, the views expressed are only the, the views of Pantry Preby, not Center Street Church. Okay, all joking aside. But, where was I now? Okay, Philip, Nathaniel. And what happens is, Nathaniel comes to Jesus, and Jesus says to Nathaniel, you will see greater things than you've ever seen before. And I wonder if Philip thought, oh, I want to see great things too. Like, I want, to, I want to see that. Jesus, do you notice me? Do you see me? What I want you to see in the text here is they were so excited about introducing people that they knew in their life to find Jesus. That was of first importance to them. And how are we doing at that? How are we doing at that? See, some people just want to be fans of Jesus. They want to hang out with Jesus. They want to spend time around people who know Jesus. They want to maybe hang around church and, and they're fans. And, and fans are people that, you know, maybe just want to hang around church people a little bit because maybe church people give them a sense of peace or joy or, or just make them feel good. Or maybe, you know, the teaching or whatever gives them a positive outlook on life, and that's what they appreciate. And they're just fans who know about Jesus, but they're not following Jesus wholeheartedly. They're not following Jesus fully. Maybe people who are just fans of Jesus just want to hang out, and they, they want Jesus to do something for them. Or they want Jesus to do something in the life of their children. And sometimes what I... When I meet folks around here and they'll, you know, some people might say, well, I, you know, I just want my kids to be in a good children's ministry where they're going to be taught about Jesus. That's what I want. When my kids need to be taught about Jesus. And sometimes when I have the courage, I say, well, that's good. But what about you? What about you and Jesus? Not just your kids. Sometimes fans of Jesus want, you know, Jesus to do something in their grandkids' life. A fan of Jesus is someone who will pray to Jesus only when they have a problem. And they want Jesus to solve it. It's like, oh, I got an issue in my life. Oh, I, I'm going to pray. Jesus, can you solve this? Can you help me out with this? And then it, that's it. A fan of Jesus might just want what Jesus has to offer that's good and, and then end it right there. Anything that is, that causes a bit of sacrifice causes a bit of giving up. Like, no, I don't want that, Jesus. 
you, a fan of Jesus, will read something in the Bible and read it. And, and in their, maybe they won't even say this out loud, but they'll say, well, you know what, Jesus? I don't really like this that your word has to say. So, in, Jesus, I'm going to take it into consideration. And um, I'm going to determine if I want that to be in my Bible. <laughs> and that's what a fan of Jesus will do. A fan of Jesus will know that Jesus invites them to be a follower. But they, they might even say, well, Jesus, you know what, just right now, I'm going to take your invitation to follow you under consideration, and I'll get back to you on that just at a later date. You see, some people, maybe you're here in this room too, I was a fan. See, some people will treat Jesus like they wouldn't even treat a friend. Because you wouldn't treat a friend like that. You wouldn't. We wouldn't. They treat Jesus like they wouldn't a friend. See, Jesus doesn't want fans. Jesus wants people who will follow him. When he says, what are you seeking after? Quick answer is, I'm seeking after you, Jesus. What are you after most in life? I'm after you, Jesus. I'm after you, Jesus. And I'm seeking to shape and build my identity around who you say that I am, so my life is devoted to you. And I'm going to lose my life in you, Jesus, because I want to find the life that you have for me. See, a fan doesn't do that. But a follower does. A follower so overwhelmed by love that Jesus has for them that they believe in him and just follow him wholeheartedly. You know, I met, met a couple who are followers of Jesus um, just three weeks ago. And I met them because we were having a meeting here and they just kind of walked into that room and, and their story is this, that seven years ago, they got divorced. Just through emotional hurt in their life, and I don't know their full story yet, but emotional hurt, emotional pain, unforgiveness, stuff, tough stuff that they were dealing with in their marriage just pulled them apart and they, they got divorced. Signed divorce papers, the whole bit, separated, done. You know what happened just a couple weeks ago? On the day they got divorced, seven years later, can you, t can you sense what's going to happen here? They got married to one another again. How amazing is that? How amazing is that? Oh, that we would hear more stories like that. It just reflects the power of Jesus active in the life of a follower of Jesus. And you know what? In this church, they found community. In this church, they found healing. In this church, they found a way to forgive one another. They found reconciliation. They found redemption. They found a brand new marriage together with one another because they found Jesus again. And they said, we want to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, seeking after him together first. Those are not fans of Jesus, they're followers of Jesus. You see, if you want to follow Jesus, you need a group of people around you because you can't do it alone. If you want to follow Jesus, you can't stay where you are right now because Jesus will continue to lead you ahead in the life that he has for you. You can't stay where you were in the past. You've got to move with him into the future. Everything else that was primary in your life must become secondary. And everything changes. Everything changes. 
It's about four years ago, and you will all, most of you will remember this. The Canadian astronaut, right, Chris Hatfield. Um, he was commander of the space station, I think, four or five years ago. And uh, what was remarkable, and I think my kids were kind of doing a space, you know, session, and so I, I just kind of dialed in a bit more to what he was doing. And he would post stuff on YouTube, and he would post stuff on social media platforms, and it's almost like I saw for the first time what space life was like, because he would journal almost every day. And, um, and I saw what zero gravity was like. I remember one time he was playing his guitar up in space in real time with someone who was playing on some TV talk show type thing. It was incredible. And, um, and zero gravity, I remember once he was just put a pencil in the air and it just kind of stayed there. And then he kind of spun it and it just spun forever. And if he wouldn't have stopped it, it would have just kept on spinning. And I mean, this was news to me. Maybe you all know what zero gravity is like. Um, I remember he opened up a little bottle of water and the water just floated and it became like bubbles and just floating all over the place, but uncontrollable, right? A bit chaotic, just went wherever it wanted to go. And um, zero gravity. You know what happens in space when you have a screwdriver and you are trying to turn in a screw? You know what happens? You are the one that turns, not the screw because it's zero gravity. <laughs> you are the one who spins around just by a little turn of your wrist. I mean, it's, it's incredible. But life at times can be like zero gravity. Chaotic, aimless. You don't know what will happen. There's no direction in life. Nothing grounds you. Nothing centers you. Nothing gives you focus and direction. But when you meet Jesus and confess him as your Lord and Savior, he becomes your centering gravity. He is the one that centers you in reality. He's the one that gives you a foundation to build your life from. He is the one that orients you and your life significantly different than you have ever been doing in the past. He is the one that is your gravity. And you, everything else revolves around him. Luke in Acts says that in Jesus, we live and move and have our being. He is the center of our life. And everything in our life revolves around him. Our emotions, our intellect, our behavior, our desires, our ambition, our mission, our purpose, and even our community of people that we do life with will revolve around Jesus. Because not only does he center give you a foundation for your life. He does that for a community. He does that for a family. And he does that for a church. You see a little tagline that we have around here. Christ at the center. He is the center. And that's what your life becomes like. When you become a follower of Jesus. He's the one that gives you peace and hope and forgiveness and your guilt and shame are washed away, and he gives you strength, and he gives you courage for this life, and he leads you into your future, the life that you have always wanted and desires, and he leads you to become the person that he has in mind for you to be, and there is such a person. Jesus has 
a life in mind for you to live and a person that he wants you to become if you would follow him because he says, if you lose your life for my sake, you will find life. And even in Jesus, we discover what pure love looks like. Absolute love. You see, church, we can't live this life without a people around us. And we can't even find, we cannot even find life apart from him because trying to find your life apart from Jesus, you will lose it. You will live something else that's not even life. So we've come to the end now, and would you pray with me? I just want us to pause for a few moments. And we believe in a God that speaks. And I pray that he's been speaking to you. He has been speaking to me about my life from this passage. And maybe you need to respond to him today because if you're honest with yourself, you've been a fan. And maybe you need to step into being a follower of Jesus Christ, finding life in him. Maybe you've been trying to find yourself apart from Jesus. Believe today that you can only find your life in him. Maybe you want to surrender your life to him today. Maybe the Lord has brought some people in your mind that you need to invite to journey with and following Jesus together. We just want to have a moment of silence here. And so Lord Jesus, speak by your spirit and press upon us what you're saying to us because we're listening to you. So Jesus, I pray that you, you would help us I trust Holy Spirit you've been speaking in this room because we want to follow you wholeheartedly. We want our lives to be spent for you, introducing people that we know to you, Jesus, and we desperately want to live our lives experiencing the abundant life that you promised to us if we would only surrender our lives to you. And so help each one in this room respond to what you are saying. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has impacted you. We'd like to challenge you to take it one step further and get connected. For any questions or prayer, please visit our website at cschurch.ca. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter 